Welcome to Authentic Influence with host Anthony Chansamuth, the show where we get real and share the stories and struggles, strategies and tactics of successful influencers and entrepreneurs so that you too can take action to create the life and business that you choose. And now over to Anthony. All right. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Authentic Influence Live. This is Anthony Chansamoo from Simple Creative Marketing. And uh, in this episode, we are talking about how to win high-value clients on LinkedIn. And I've got the best person to tell you all about that. Uh, that's my mate, Adam Franklin. And uh, let me just tell you a bit about Adam before we bring him onto the screen here. So Adam is the author of Web Marketing That Works, an Amazon number one bestseller. He's a professional speaker, a university lecturer, and he's the CEO of Blue Wire Media, which is bluewiremedia.com.au. If you're watching the screen, you can see me flash the link on the website there. Um, so Adam's a, uh, he's got a ton of accolades, being Australia's number one biggest business blogs, number seven LinkedIn expert in Asia Pacific, uh, and his podcast was number nine on Entrepreneur Magazine's top marketing podcasts. Um, he's been in, featured in all the publications, Forbes, Entrepreneur, The Australian, Sydney Morning Herald, uh, and, and he really specializes in helping consultants win high-value clients via LinkedIn. Uh, and so let's bring Adam on. Uh, we go like this. A Hello, Adam. G'day, Anf. Nice to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. And that was a lovely introduction um, for me. That's the book that you were talking about. And um, let's get into it. Get into it. So uh, let's just start off with how did you, you got into marketing. Like, Take me back to the beginning. What were you doing before marketing? And then how did you get into the world of marketing? Look, in many respects, I kind of feel as though, you know, a lot of us have always been doing marketing. You know, So even before I started Blue Wire in 2005, I was doing uh, nightclub marketing and that was a heap of fun, um, you know, trying to organize our own uh, nights. Uh, we had, I think, Thursday nights and Saturday nights were our main ones. So we were in charge of getting people in through the door. Um, hopefully most of them were paying cover charge, but organizing the drink specials and the bands and the themes and everything like that. So that's probably where I really, um, I guess, officially started doing marketing. Um, but then it was only once I started the business a few years later after I'd been overseas, um, came back and my um, mate Toby Jenkins and I, we decided to start Blue Wire Media um, in 2005, which, as you know, was kind of before social media as we know it now really existed. It um, was before Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. I mean, some of those companies might have just started, mm. but they certainly weren't um, public. And I really like that you've got that background from before, I guess, pre-Web 2.0, um, you know, in all the socials. Like, I'd, I'd like to get some thoughts around just philosophy around marketing and what you've brought, you know, from that time into today's world, right? Like, what was working for you back then that's still working today? Like, what 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 was the, the strategy or the philosophy that's, you know, kind of been ingrained in what you do at Blue Wire and, and how you do marketing? Look, the, the easiest way to answer that is to say email, email marketing. That worked back then. It still works today. It's by far the best platform for business development and for bringing on clients. Now, that's not to say um, social media isn't great. It is, but it's more of a meeting place um, as part of an overall journey 
where we find people on social media, we connect with them, but we move people across to email. Now, of course, back when I was doing nightclub marketing, we basically email was the only channel that, that existed. And that was, well, I guess, quite handy because it didn't give us too many options. But I was literally um, getting uh, 50, I think it was probably the limit on a Hotmail address, <laughs> BCCing 50 of my mates in and um, sending them the information about what was coming up that week. Um, so email, email is, the, is, the, is the tactic, but the strategy behind it is really the, having a community. So having a community or an audience of people that uh, know, like, and trust you um, is super important, whether it's 20 years ago, 25 years ago, marketing nightclubs, or whether it's right now today, um, trying to grow and sustain a business. Now you talk about uh, having a community. Uh, a big part of community is uh, obviously trust and something that you do, and I, I, you know, we've known each other for many years now, and something that's been consistent with the way you message, the way you communicate, uh, is you lead with a generosity first mindset. Uh, can you talk about that, I guess, that decision to do so uh, and what you've learned over the years that uh, has really cemented for you like that's the way to go about it no matter what channel you're on right we're talking about this social there's email there's ads there's all these sort of things but um why is generosity such a huge thing for you and your clients sure so generosity uh is a really powerful and valuable approach when done properly so so look most people these days, you know, there's so much information online. Most people can find any information that um, that they want. And that's obviously because of the internet, because of Google, because of social media. There is so much stuff out there that to even really get a run, we need to have a gift. We need to have something that is valuable enough um, that people actually can, you know, want it and will then use it and so if if we hoard our value if we hoard our content and say no you can only have this if you if you pay for it is is um probably going to make it a much smaller pie now just to clarify i guess i'm not i'm not saying give everything away for free all i'm saying is that be generous and as a general rule of thumb give away the why and the what, but then keep the how for your customers. So for example, I have found a lot of um, success sharing marketing templates. So that's the what, it's a marketing template that you can fill out. The why is, you know, you need a marketing strategy um, in order to plan your year out, in order to know what your, um, what your approach is going to be. The template is the tool, but then how you do that, that's what I keep separate. And that's for my paying customers and clients. And certainly what I found in this journey, in fact, going back 15, sorry, 17 years to when I started the business, you might remember back then, some listeners or viewers won't, but some people will remember back in those days, there was a lot of old school thinking at the time like, it, on every on nearly every document there was something like uh, this is copyright please do not share 
Um, this is proprietary um, information. And then around that time, there was this big shift and people started changing the footer of documents saying, this is uh, Creative Commons, please share this with your friends, please tweet about it, link to it, talk about it. Um, because around that time when the internet was taking off, people realized that we need people to be sharing our information and spreading the word for us. And so basically being generous and providing something actually valuable, not just a, you know, a brochure or a piece of junk mail disguised as a lead magnet or flagship content, but something truly valuable. That's the way to bring people into your ecosystem so they get to know, like, and trust you. And then you can convert them to becoming a paying client when you say, look, if you've liked it so far, I can show you how to do that as the, as the paying step. I like what you just said there about making something really valuable. And I get, I get this question as well. I'm sure you do, which is, you know, um, I'm worried about, uh, you mentioned the, the transition point where there was a point. I remember back then when it was, you know, they put it behind a paywall, get them to opt in. Like that was kind of messaging back then. Uh, and and it's shifted tremendously. Like we've now, we've got Gary V literally putting out, like he just puts out a ton of valuable stuff um, and he's not worried about it. And, you know, in his book, um, I think it was the Right, Right Jab or whatever it was called back. Right, jab, 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 yeah, Right yeah. Hook. Yeah, yeah, yep. he, he kind of, the whole philosophy behind that was, you know, you give and give and give and give, but then there will be a time when, when you actually make the ask. Um, and, and that's when you've built enough social capital, enough trust, uh, where, where people go, actually, you know, yep, I'm going to support, you know, Adam's book. I'm going to support the, the new program coming out or whatever it may be. Or, you know, I, I believe in your philosophies and your strategies. Um, so back, back to the question around lead magnets. What what's working in 2021 when it comes to lead magnets? You mentioned some, you know, some people still putting out these ebooks that are really just no use for anyone. Um, like how many of us have downloaded 100 ebooks that we've never opened? Um, just to, I guess the marketers do it to check out other marketers' funnels, but um, for, you know, for, for our prospects and people who actually care about working with us potentially, um, what makes a good lead magnet and, and, and one that's uh, going to be useful to someone? And what's just probably shouldn't be done anymore because it's, it's not working. Yeah, great question. And this is something that I feel quite strongly about. Um, the best lead magnets or the best flagship content, which is my preferred language around it, although everybody knows what a lead magnet is, is something that actually hurts you a little bit to give away. All right. So that's why I don't think that um, yeah, brochures disguised as lead magnets or you know, shoddy ebooks that are just rushed and put together in a haphazard way. I don't think, or well, they don't make good lead magnets because people want something truly valuable. Like they, they've seen a million of these offers. They're very skeptical. They're thinking, is this just going to be another, um, another piece of junk? Is it something that is going to waste my time? And so, I mean, even if even if you kind of even if a marketer was promising the world and delivering an atlas, so to speak, promising something really good but delivering something really not good, even then, like you might get an opt-in, but the trust is going to have been eroded straight away. So there's no value, or there's no relationship capital in that in, in that um, situation. So what we want to do is actually have something that is truly valuable to the person getting it. 
Now, again, we're not necessarily giving away everything. Um, we're just giving them enough to go from um, A to B. And if we can help people and give them a valuable experience in that first step from A to B, then a high proportion of those people are going to want to go on the rest of the journey with you. So from step B to C to D, et cetera. Um, so the stuff that works the best isn't, is something practical and um, that has utility. So something you can use. So that's why I personally found my, um, a lot of listeners may have come across this either from myself or David, Miam and Scott, who we co-created it with over a decade ago. But this is a, a one-page diagram. On the back side, there is a table or a template that they can fill out. And this is what people can use to document their marketing strategy, their digital marketing strategy on a single page. And so because people can actually take a pen and fill it in, it's got utility, it's actionable. It's not just, um, for example, like a chapter out of a book where it's very passive. You're sort of flicking back, reading it. And of course, a lot of people download chapters of books and never touch them. Um, plus, it's a bit overwhelming. If you've got a chapter out of a book, you kind of go, oh, I've got to find time to read it and do it. And, you know, it's easier than just to ignore it and, and put it on the virtual shelf. But a one page thing, everyone can digest one page, especially when most of it's blank um, or a pretty picture, because then it becomes an actionable tool that people can fill in. And if they're being active and they're engaging and actually participating or interacting with the content, that is super, super valuable because then they've got something that is customized to their own um, situation that's theirs and that has helped them go on the first step of the journey to developing a marketing strategy which of course is what I want people to do is to take that first step because then a lot of people are going to want to actually implement it they're going to want to draw on somebody's like me their experience over two decades to actually help them put it into practice so um, practical, actionable, and easily digestible would be my tips there for, for a good lead magnet. Practical, actionable, and easily digestible. I really like the third one. I love all three. Uh, the third one is really compelling because no one's got time to sit through something that's going to take them 30 minutes or an hour to do, <laughs> um, unless they're committed to your workshop, right? I know you do webinars, so if people come yeah. onto the webinar, they've, they've set aside the time to be there with you. Um, yeah. But if you're that's, magnet, that's a further down the step, right? Yeah, right. Further down. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Let's talk quickly about LinkedIn because you are the pro. Like when it comes to LinkedIn, um, why is LinkedIn relevant right now? Um, why do you favor it? I mean, you live and breathe on that platform, uh, and I know some, a lot of your clients do as well. So, yeah, what's the what's the what's happening, or even just what's happening this year? I know some there's been algorithm changes, or I don't know what's going on now, but I, you know, you know, <laughs> my account was blocked. Um, but uh, I'm still trying to resolve that. Uh, if anyone's watching from LinkedIn, reach out to me. Um, and uh, yeah, but let's talk about why LinkedIn. Look, LinkedIn is fantastic because there are hundreds of thousands of people on there, all with their job title or their business name. And when we're in the business of, or when we're in business, we are obviously... Um, wanting to do business with other people now if you think about facebook and instagram they might have some sort of weird instagram handle or twitter handle or facebook thing that 
doesn't really say too much about who they are or what they do. But on LinkedIn, everybody's um, professional details are there. So if you, and it works particularly well for B2B, obviously, um, because it is a business platform. People are on there to advance their careers, to grow their business, to hire people, to engage people's services. So that is the purpose of the platform. So it doesn't feel weird or uncomfortable having business conversations on LinkedIn, but often it can feel a little bit weird if you just did a friend request with somebody on Facebook and they started trying to talk to you about commercial stuff. Yes, it's possible, but it's not as natural for that to happen as it is on, on LinkedIn. Uh, so LinkedIn's great from that from that respect. Um, but the search feature is what is particularly powerful because say, for example, you work with lawyers or accountants or whatever type of um, role, um, you can actually run a search for free on LinkedIn and find all of the accountants in Sydney or in a particular area um, with a certain, in certain industries. So it is very, very powerful to do your prospecting on LinkedIn and be able to find maybe a, a Dream 1000 list of people who you believe you can serve. Um, the only problem is they don't know you yet. So you just need to have a, a systematic process for not only finding these people, but connecting with them and nurturing that relationship to the point where they do become a high value client. And that's why I love LinkedIn. No, you're making me miss LinkedIn. But uh, absolutely, I'm going to support what Adam's saying here for business to business. If you're working with professional services, you're a consultant, you're in any of those you know, uh, areas, like Adam mentioned, even if you're in a software company and you're in SaaS, 100% uh, a good place to be. Adam, you've got a, a five-step nurturing system to convert contacts into clients, right? This is where I, I see a lot of people getting held up and, and stuck because they post a ton of things on on. on you know, daily on LinkedIn, they're getting involved in like sharing content frequently. Uh, but when I asked them, you know, you've done that for three months, you know, how many clients have you actually met with or, or you know, business have you, have you actually done? The answer is crickets uh, and they struggle. So, so what, what's missing and, and, and take, can you take us through that, those five steps and, and, and perhaps fill in some of the gaps for these people? Sure, sure. So let me first tackle why that approach doesn't always work, as in putting up lots of content and kind of hoping that somebody reaches out to you to engage your services. That's um, a very, I like to be strategic and deliberate with what I do. So if you're just um, putting out content, that's, that's fantastic, but it's not the full picture. One of the first mistakes that could be holding you back and stopping you actually getting traction with that content is that maybe you're connected with the wrong people. Like if you have just been very reactive, say for the last five years and accept people willy nilly, then they may not be the appropriate prospects or clients for your business. So your content might be wonderful for the accountants that you want to be working with. But if all you've done is hit accept, accept, accept for the last five years, and it's just this random mix of non-accountants, essentially, um, you're not going to get much traction. So um, the other factor that might be holding you back from getting actual commercial results 
from LinkedIn, if you are just putting out content a few times a week for months on end, is that there's no journey that you're taking people on. So you're doing the first step, you're putting out content, uh, or you're doing one of the steps, you're putting out content, but unless there's a, a system or a step-by-step nurture process in place, then you're just providing content um, as opposed to drawing a connection between the content and becoming a client. And that's where the five-step nurture system comes in, which I can jump into now if you like. Yeah, and I just wanted to recap those two things. So one, you know, um, you need a strategy. You need to actually a, a, a sort of a roadmap and a game plan as to uh, how to uh, nurture people and move them through a journey. All right. So just, um, and you're right. There are a lot of people who put a lot of educational stuff or a lot of industry-related content out there, um, which could be interesting to other people in their industries. But does it really speak to the client? Uh, and does it actually address? You know, does it actually help someone solve a problem? Right. Because if, if I'm reading about I don't know what's happening in marketing this year. Um, I don't think any of my clients really care, to be honest. Like I think they, uh, they're more looking for, well, how are you going to solve my problem um, and get me more leads if that's what they want? Um, all right, let's take us through your five steps. Adam, I'm, I'm curious to um, share this with, with the, the audience as well. Awesome. All right, so step one is literally to connect with the right people. So the flip side of just accepting people willy-nilly is to be deliberate and strategic and to find those Dream 100 prospects and to actually reach out to them and send them a connection request with a note basically explaining why you're reaching out to them. All right, so step one is connecting with them. Then what we do is the second step is once they accept our connection request, And the sole purpose of the connection message or the connection note is for them to hit accept. We don't want to be doing anything more than that. Once they accept, then step two is start a conversation. All right. So again, it's not just copy and paste your sales pitch that's this long and and bombard them. It's start a conversation just like you would if you were in a real life situation. So in real life, we very rarely meet somebody for the first time and all of a sudden forget what to say next. But on LinkedIn, nearly always people connect and then say we've met for the first time, Amp. We connect and then, hi, Amp, I'm Adam. And you go, g'day, Adam, nice to meet you. And then I go, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't want to annoy Ant in case he thinks I'm like this slimy salesperson or this marketing dude. So I'm just going to not say anything else. In real life, that would be totally weird. But on LinkedIn, that's what that's what people do all the time because they don't know what to say. Hmm. Yet that never happens in real life. And so that's why that conversation starter piece seems so obvious and so easy. But the amount of people I've spoken to, and you will have experienced this with people you know, that you've spoken to and people listening or watching this is that the biggest fear is, oh, I don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to come across as pushy or salesy or any of this. And I don't know what to say. So I say nothing. So there's all these great people in my network, but they haven't actually heard anything from me for the last few years. Um, so, you know, conversation starters are really important. It can be as simple, like say you've got flagship content. It's, it could be as simple as saying, hey, Amp, um, it's nice to connect. Nice to meet you. Hey, if marketing is interesting to you, 
um, would you like me to send you a copy of my popular marketing template? It's a very easy, that's one of the many approaches that you can take, but it's, it's nice because you're actually offering something. Um, you're not ramming it down their throat. You're not saying, here is my template. I hope you like it. You're actually getting permission to proceed first. So you're offering it. They can simply say, yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Or no, thanks. Marketing's not that interesting to me. In which case, what you're doing is finding out who in your network is actually interested in this and who's willing to engage in a conversation. Others who aren't interested in marketing, great. They're not a fit for me. And of course, obviously, you would tailor this for whatever um, business you're in. But yeah, the conversation starter, step number two. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, it can be as simple as looking, you know, there's heaps of other strategies as well, but finding common ground or um, asking a question related to some content that they published or actually um, just sincere praise is always a really nice one, like especially for people that go out of their way to publish content like yourself and a lot of other people on LinkedIn. Um, when you do go to the effort of releasing a video or a podcast or an article or a post, to have people actually notice it and interact with it and um, come back to you and say, yeah, if I really enjoyed the, the podcast interview you did. Um, it's very um, natural for people to gravitate towards people that have shown an interest in their, in their content. And so, yeah, that's a really nice conversation starter too, to acknowledge that they've done something good, that you admire it, and follow on with with some sort of question that they can that they can respond to, and that's so you know that's so easy uh, and so overlooked. <laughs> like um, I could count you know on one hand the number of thank yous I had you know on LinkedIn in the past five years. Like it, it's literally like you say, just uh, we know the effort it takes to produce content, right? Like it's not something you bang up in five minutes and, and, and sometimes it is, but in most cases we've planned it. We've kind of thought, okay, what's going to be relevant? What's going to be useful? Uh, and anyone that's in my circle and certainly in my group knows uh, when we're putting together even just a, a LinkedIn post or an article on, on LinkedIn Pulse, um, it, it takes time, right? And, and, and videos, man, the number one reason why people don't do it because it's just like, it takes too much time and I'm, and all this confidence stuff comes up. You know, do I look good enough? Do I speak properly and all this sort of stuff? So I love that tip. Great tip. So we've gone through two steps here. We've got the first one is to connect to the right people. The second one is to uh, use conversation starters and actually connect with people, uh, have conversations. What's step three? Step three is to gauge whether or not they are interested. So step three, are they interested in this? Um, so this could be things like um, saying that you have a, a workshop coming up or a webinar coming up. Um, it could literally be um, them, if, say, you did offer a piece of flagship content as the conversation starter, them saying yes, and then you actually delivering that to them, like sending it to them via a direct message, that literally you delivering that as opposed to offering it. So step two is offer, step three is delivering it. Um, that is an indication from them that they are interested. And you can then, um, as part of delivering it or a short, a follow-up shortly afterwards could be, did you get it okay? What did you think of it? What was most useful? Because if they have willingly accepted your offer, 
um, then they're interested. They may not be ready to buy. They may not be, you know, super engaged, but they are loosely interested in what you have to say. So step three is that there's interest. Now you've done, I've noticed you've been doing something really cool with uh, your sort of between step two and three. So with the conversation starter, you're, you're offering some flagship content. Um, and then on step three, what you're doing, and yet you even say it on the post, so on your comment, your post, you're actually saying op, uh, opt-in not required. So, and I think that's so brilliant. Can you talk to why you've gone down that route as opposed to hundreds of other people that I see on LinkedIn going, okay, I'm going to offer the thing. And then when you go in and when they send you the direct message, it's like, give me your email address and then I'll put you on my list, right? So why have you gone the other way? I like to keep the friction as low as possible and it feels like the natural human nice thing to do. Like if I'm actually offering you something and it makes sense for me to give it to you if you say yes, not to trick you, not to bait and switch and go, oh, you want my marketing template? Well, you better click this link, tell me your details, put your email address in, risk getting spammed every single day from here on in just to get something that I've offered you. It doesn't seem right and fair. Um, now, of course, I do ask for opt-ins further down the track. Like, I'm not afraid of asking for an opt-in. But if um, I asked you, "Hey, would you know? Would you would you like? Would you like? I'm going to the bar. Would you like me to get you a beer?" And they go, "Yeah, sure." It would be very antisocial for me to say, "Oh, look, that's going to be ten dollars plus." You've actually got to give me your business card details, and you know, it's just weird. So yeah. I say, no opt-in required. I want to deliver value because a lot of these people don't know me yet, right? They've either just seen a piece of content or they've got a, a um, connection request from essentially a stranger. So I want to, I want to pave the way with value first because then I know when it comes to step four um, that I'm in a position to then um, guide them to a conversation or an opt-in or something of more value mutual value. You're listening to Authentic Influence. Learn the tips, strategies, and practices for taking your influence to the next level. Now, back to the show. Absolutely. And and the way I... So just jump in here. The way I see that is um, you want the other person, if they've indicated interest, you want them to actually see the value in the thing you're offering, right? If if they never opt in, if they never give you the email address because you've asked for it too early, um, then they won't get the value, right? They won't get that value. So that then it actually basically, like you're saying, it doesn't prepare them for step four, right? Which is where, okay, I, I've gotten your thing. I love it. You know, I, I want to know more. Right? You want to kind of get that curiosity going. So um, take us a step four, Adam. Yeah, so... Um, step four is basically giving people an opportunity to sort of raise their hand firmly in the air. Um, and again, for each of these steps, there's multiple different strategies. I'm just talking about um, primarily one one approach, but there's lots of different variations of this. Um, but step four could be a classic sort of shake the tree type of message. So they've, they've um, requested the lead magnet, Sorry, they've accepted the lead magnet. I've written back and said, you know, did you, did you receive it okay? 
and they've said, yep, yep. Um, then you might actually get to the more um, valuable end of the, of the conversation. Say, look, I'm actually looking for five accountants who want to um, build a marketing plan to serve them for the year ahead. Is this something that would interest you? And when you actually ask the question, you're not saying, do you want to buy my product? Do you want to hire me? You're saying, I'm looking for these types of people who want this result in this type of time frame. Um, it's very easy for them to either go, yes, that appeals, or no, it doesn't. And this, when we get to this sort of stage of the journey, a lot of people do tend to get a little bit scared. Um, and it's, it's human nature. We don't want rejection. And so if we don't ask the question, we never get rejected, right? But if we don't ask the question, we never win the deal or we never get the new client. And we don't have the opportunity to help and serve that particular person. So if we frame it in this way where we're not pushing our services, we're just looking to see if somebody's interested in an outcome that you know you can help them with, um, that is a very good example of a stage four and is someone willing to raise their hand. I really, uh, yeah, I really like that approach. I think it's, um, it doesn't come across as, you know, super salesy or like a hard pitch. I think it's, it's really much, look, you know, I've got, uh, I'm looking for this type of person. So you're kind of indicating who, who it is you're, you're wanting to connect with. Uh, and then, and the way that's framed to me, it's almost like, well, it, that could apply to me if, I'm, if I were an accountant and you're looking for accountants. Or if it wasn't applied to me, I might know someone um, that I could refer to you. So it actually opens the door for both opportunities, um, which I think is, is, is very clever. Um, so that step, so we go back to step four, which is give people an opportunity to raise their hand firmly in the air. Now, do you have like a, a general rule around how long or when that should happen? You definitely don't want to do it on the first, like once they've accepted your connect request. Uh, but, you know, uh, do you want to like for you or I guess when you're coaching people, like is there a specific time frame that you kind of say, well, it's, it's better to wait a couple of weeks or, or whatever it may be for that before you get to that stage? Look, and the, the beauty of this process is that it goes as quickly as the prospect is ready. Mm. So if we connect, for example, and we I send the connection request, you accept, I, I have a conversation starter, you say, sure, I'm interested in, in your marketing template, I send it, I say, how did you find it? You said, good, you said, oh, great, I'm looking for five accountants. It could happen all on the same day. But, but by the same token, it could take three months because when you respond to me, that's when I take it to the next level. So I'm not trying to rush you or, or, or push you or um, badger you, but I'm, I know that each stage of the way, there's a different level that I want to take this conversation to. And so that's the beauty of it. It's not like, okay, you've accepted my request. Now I've got to wait two days. I always say, look, don't worry if, if you know, it takes you a few days to, to get around to it. Um, but by the same token, just get in and do it if that has happened. Just know what the next step is and what you're going to say and why you're saying words to that effect uh, and, and nurture people through. So as fast or as slow as it is convenient for your prospect. 
I like that because there are situations where you're online, they're online, um, they're ready and available for a chat, um, you know, and there are other times when they're busy and, and they're not there. So you just drop a message and you wait for them to respond. So there's no real answer. Like there's no one rule for that. Um, so it's that step four. Okay. So we're giving the opportunity to raise their hand. All right. What's step five? Yep. So then if they nibble and say, yes, I'm interested, that does sound appealing. Well, then the fifth step is just having that sales conversation. And again, people can get nervous here and chicken out and ghost, um, as in the person with the <laughs> with the product or service to sell can chicken out here because, oh, gee, somebody's come on this journey so far and now I've got to have a sales conversation. <gasps> they get scared, panic, and, and, and don't say anything. But it it's very simple at this stage. Either you pick up the phone and call them and just have a, a, a 10 to 15-minute um get to know you conversation again it's not a sales pitch it's just to get to know you conversation to basically audition them to see actually would they be a good fit if they are great invite them to a you know a proper sales call not that you'd call it a sales call but invite them to a proper you know more in-depth discussion but the initial one is really just to learn about them to ask them questions to see is this the type of person or the type of business that I feel I can help? So the most um, forward or front foot way to do it would be to pick up the phone and call them. Typically, people's phone number is easy enough to find it's either if you're a first degree contact that's on their LinkedIn profile um, or it's on their website. So if they have been engaging with you, picking up the phone and calling them is not a cold call. It's a very, very warm call. They know who you are. They haven't had a chance to forget. Like if you go, okay, they've nibbled, but I don't want to annoy them. I'm going to wait two weeks. In two weeks' time, they've forgotten who this stranger off LinkedIn is. But if they respond to a LinkedIn message and then 10 minutes later, you actually pick up the phone and call them. They go, oh, yeah, I still remember who you are. Yeah, you're you're that person off LinkedIn. Yeah, now's a good time or now's not a good time. Um, But either way, strike while the iron is hot. Because if you don't, they'll probably forget about you um, further down the track. So however you choose to get people onto a sales conversation, either proactively booking it in. Let's say, for example, you're in a different time zone. You might be finishing up the day here in Australia. Somebody in the US, it might be middle of the night for. So you probably wouldn't pick up the phone and call them in the middle of the night. You might acknowledge, okay, it's probably middle of the night for you. Why don't I make a note to give you a call? Um, at a time that's, um, you know, that, that works. And suggest a time like nine o'clock for you is five for me. Let's do that. Does that sound all right to you? Um, a whole lot of different approaches there too. You could alternatively send them a, a booking link for your calendar. Um, but really it's, it's just to conduct that step five is conduct that sales conversation. Very, very cool. And I, I can feel... For some people, you know, I, I feel that way. It's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to take the step. But what you said is really cool where it's like, well, I'm not jumping on a call to pitch you. I just want to have 15 minutes uh, to get to know you, learn more about what your business is or what, what your work is and, and where I might be able to support you. Uh, and that could even sometimes I know it happens for you. It has some, happens for me. Sometimes it just means you actually go, we're not a fit. And I, but I know Adam or I know this guy who would be perfect for you. Let me introduce you guys. Um, and I think that's uh, a good way to go about it. Again, we're, we're coming from that generosity frame, mind frame and that, that idea of how can we help you know these people. Now, 
Uh, I'm going to just recap the five. So we've gone with connect. Step one, which is connect with the right people. Step two is to uh, have a conversation. Oh, Adam's got more to go. Okay, tell us, Adam. No, no, no. I, I'm just, I'm just counting along with you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're right. So two is number one. Starter. Correct. You've got yep. it. You've listened to well. Uh, all right. And I love the conversation starter. So you, you just want to get that conversation going. Step three, you, you're going to ask if they're interested. Um, and and then you go to step four, which is you want to give people the opportunity to raise their hand firmly in the air to say, yes, you know, I, I want to know more. Uh, and then step five, you're, uh, that's where you move towards having the sales conversation uh, to get to know your core or let's book a call, a time and let's have a chat. So I think that's, uh, that's the five. Are we there? Yes. Correct. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Now, a couple of questions come to my mind as we go through this process. Um, and I know you've got entire, like, a webinar and training where people can go in and really deep delve into all the different elements within those because you mentioned each step has different strategies uh but if you could just share um you know some tips for outreach and connecting with ideal buyers because i see you know what i like about your strategy and what you've you know what you talk about is it's not just about being passive and posting content like you actually you know it's actually in, works in your favor and it works better if you actually go and look for the people you're trying to connect with and then go and you know uh, be strategic about connecting with them so then you are, you'd actually have them connected to you when you're posting content so it's relevant so um yeah yes. what are some tips that you've got for outreach and, and connecting with the right people absolutely all right so yes we do our research we find a thousand um ideal future clients or prospects um and then we go about connecting with them because we then know that um we can start conversations and nurture people through that process now what you'll know when you put this into practice is that it's not 100% of people that respond to every single message that you send them. So a significant drop off. So you might have maybe five or 10 good conversations out of a hundred people that accept your connection request. So that's great. You've got a strategy for that. You know how to nurture them, but that leaves about 90% of people in your network who aren't engaging in a private conversation, which is why publishing content is a great way to get on their radar and stay top of mind and to build that trust. Because if they're seeing you in their newsfeed, they may have not responded to the initial um, conversations you've been trying to start because you're still just some random stranger off the internet. In their mind, you're just like every other person trying to sell them stuff. You haven't earned that trust yet. So then if you are publishing content, you're building up the trust. because that, So further down the track, when you message them again and offer them something new or revisit the conversation and say, I didn't hear back from you. They might go, oh, oh, that's right. I've seen you on, on, the, on the videos or the posts. You're actually not the same as everybody else. You share generous content. It's actually useful for me. I like the way you interact with other people. And so you then earn the trust and you earn that ability to um, revisit some of those conversations as well. That's one really valuable part or one very valuable reason to publish content. The other one is as a way to get people actually into a private conversation. So we know the five steps that we nurture people through, but one really good approach is to do a post, a public content post on LinkedIn. It doesn't matter if it's a video or a image post or a document post um, but say for example back to this flagship content I might do a little video about it talking about it 
And then I would offer this as a companion resource. I would say, if you found this video useful and you would actually like your own copy of this, leave a comment down below saying PDF. And what I'll do is I will actually um, send it to you directly. No opt-in required. And so what happens then is that people leave comments and they are saying, yes, PDF, please send me that. So that's essentially them demonstrating that there's interest. So instead of having to do it one at a time in messages, when you put content up there and it's framed properly and there's a call to action and it's valuable and it's a companion resource, people, often dozens or even maybe hundreds at a time, will go, yes, please send that to me. So what that means is that you know who is most interested in your, in your network and you can actually um, start a private conversation, send it off to them, and then you've got a whole bunch of new conversations with people. Um, so there's more people in the, in the funnel, more people in the pipeline that you're nurturing through. So that combination, the content above the, above the surface, private messaging under the radar that no one else sees, that's the killer one-two combo because you're building trust, you're being generous, but also you've got the strategy under the surface, which the pure content creators don't necessarily do. We've got that nurturing process to guide the right people to a commercial relationship. And it's that whole system when it comes together. That's why LinkedIn is so great, but any one element on its own is an incomplete picture. Now, that sounds fantastic when you've got a couple of hundred contacts. When you've got 10,000 plus contacts, how do you stay on top of all those? How do you actually uh, don't go crazy with trying to search through the LinkedIn messaging system? Because I know that's, uh, in my experience, that's a painful thing. Uh, it's, not, it's not as easy to search you know, the, the, the DM or the messaging system um, as, say, in, in Gmail or somewhere else. Um, so do you have any sort of advice around how to actually stay like one, stay top of mind with those connections that you've made. Um, and then, but also actually just from a managerial perspective, like how do you do that better and, and not like lose, lose, lose conversations because they've been pushed down to you, you know, 50 people have said, yes, Adam, I want your, uh, your, 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 you know, your, uh, whatever your, your guide is today, uh, your template. Uh, and then, and then you go, oh my gosh, I've got a hundred DMs here that I need to manage. And, and what about the last 200 I've been messaging already? How do, how do you stay on top of that? Look, I won't lie, it, does get, it, it can get really messy in the LinkedIn inbox very quickly. So there's two, the two points I want to make is, first of all, um, to build on what I said earlier, LinkedIn is a great place to meet and greet with people and start that relationship. And then we want to move people across to a sales conversation. A logical transition stage in there is to move to email. And because email is a lot easier to manage and people check their email a lot more. So, for example, if somebody said, yes, I'd like your um, lead magnet, it would be very logical. And one of the different, slightly different strategies is to say, look, F, um, can I send it to this email address? Is this the best one for you? And use the one off their LinkedIn profile or off their website. Mm -hmm. And that way, say, look, I've emailed it to you. Can you just let me know if you've received it okay? Because then you've advanced that relationship off LinkedIn and onto email, which is a much better place to be like we've started in linkedin we've moved it to email so that's one approach is to always be thinking how can i move this 
from LinkedIn where it's messy and disorganized to email or into a CRM. Now, the second part is that, yes, there's a whole heap of conversations going on at once. It can be really messy. You don't want to miss people out or lose people, but it is actually quite easy to, to, to forget about people in your LinkedIn inbox. I know I've been guilty of it for sure. I do recommend having a virtual assistant to help manage your inbox on LinkedIn and also to fulfill some of the admin tasks. Um, I'd never recommend having somebody pretend to be you in terms of like them thinking on your behalf, but I do recommend having someone to help just like you would have a, a VA to help manage your inbox. Cause I remember one of the, one of the, <laughs> one of the times I had a particularly popular post, I just arrived in, in Barcelona, in Spain to start this like three week um, university guest university um, position. Yep. And all the, my one of these videos just went gangbusters and there was I think literally 1500 comments in the space of about a week or two all asking for this particular in this case it was a LinkedIn profile checklist that I was offering and so every time I refreshed my refreshed my LinkedIn on my phone there was like another 20 people requesting it and this was happening you know hundreds of people a day and I spent so much time like when i wasn't actually <laughs> teaching the class sitting on my phone at like an internet cafe or a cafe with internet i should say actually going through the very tedious and, and monotonous task of actually sending these off to people one one on one um via linkedin so then i realized look i need a va to help with some of this so they are helping fulfill the the grunt work but they're never actually going all right well this person's responded, so I'm going to then, um, you know, make up a response from Adam. At, at the most, they would ever just fulfil stuff and, and follow a, a script or a framework that you've, that you've laid out beforehand. And the other good thing is it, they can keep an eye on it. So if you say, look, just keep an eye, if there's any unread messages at the end of each day, like get a screenshot of the messages that, you know, needs me to actually respond. Um, and so they can they can keep be your eyes and ears on your LinkedIn inbox, but just give you like the snapshot at the end of each day. So I go, all right, well, there's five messages that I need to um, respond to here, or there's five people I need to book a phone call with, that type of thing. So yeah, get a VA, um, but ideally also have mechanisms to move people across to, to email. Yeah, no, I, I really like those tips and I agree. It was a life game changer for me when I had my VA start to look through that inbox um, and just flag the ones where, hey, look, you know, this person and this person needs a response and, and they don't at all trying to pretend to be me because they can't, um, especially, you know, when they get into the technical questions, how does your program work, um, specifics around how do I do X, Y, and Z. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love that tip. So really, really cool. Okay, we're going to wrap up uh, in a moment, but uh, I just wanted to... Um, Come back to the, the primary topic of this conversation, which is winning high-value clients. Uh, you took us through the five steps to get onto the call with the client. Uh, is there anything you would recommend in terms of the content you're putting out to kind of pre-frame and get ready for the sales conversation? Like, is, there, is that something that um, 
because uh, you, you, the way you, you you talked about it is you know this is a, a is a, it's a journey you're taking someone through from no idea who you are to okay yes I, I, I like what this guy's or this girl is talking about uh, I want to learn more I could see value in that and perhaps it could help my my business in some way um, you know and so how much of that content is uh, I guess uh, can actually help and support the sale when you get to the point of the sale absolutely yep and of course I think we're talking here yeah other people that have been in their shoes before so they they get a lot of prospects and a lot of comfort from knowing that there's other people that have walked this path before them and so of course testimonials and particularly case studies i think is what we're talking about here as being something that can really boost your credibility and boost the prospect's confidence not only in you but in themselves because they most often they will trust that you're an expert and that you know what you're talking about. Um, but they often don't trust themselves. And if they see videos or articles of people just like them who also felt this way at the start, but who were able to follow the process and implement stuff and end up at this desirable outcome, then they are going to have a lot more confidence that it's possible for somebody just like them. And so, yes, if you can extract and uncover those stories, those case studies from people, then that's going to have way more impact, I think, than just telling somebody how good you think you are because they, one, don't care about what you think of yourself and even they're meant to trust you. You're the expert, but what they often struggle with is trusting themselves. So yeah, share those stories. We start weaving them in like once, as you say, once you've got that sales conversation booked in, what can you send them to warm them up? Or what can you send them afterwards um, before the proper sales, the deeper dive sales call? And what can you put, weave into your um, documentation or your website or your emails to reiterate and remind people that, you know, you're not the first person to do this. Um, I specialize in people like you. Why don't you hear it from these other people directly rather than, than me? So, yeah, really valuable. Yeah, I don't know. You sell a high-end coaching program. Um, you help consultants, you know, go through this system that you've developed and, and really uh, take them through, hold their hands where they need it. But also, I think there's a power in community, and you started off this conversation by saying, like, community is such an important aspect of growing a business, um, of, of actually you know, being able to achieve some of the things we're trying to achieve. Um, and I think a lot of, for me, the reason why I join communities is, you know, I'm, I'm looking for those case studies. I'm looking for those other people like me, you know, maybe they were there a year ago or whatever it was, but at least they've been through, you know, someone's program before or they've been in the membership before and, and they've had some results and some wins. Uh, and then whenever I see that, I go, oh, yeah, uh, I'd like to know how to do that too. I'd like to know how to you know, book my first consulting gig through LinkedIn. And and I'm, I'm watching this video on Adam's feed and, and he's talking about, you know, Margaret who's done just that, right? Like in the last coaching program. Um, and that's where I go, yes, I want to talk to this guy. So um, that that's really awesome. I'm really glad you, uh, you brought that up. So let's uh, wrap up with a couple of quick questions for you. Um, let's talk about uh, being that this is a marketing podcast and you're a you know, been in marketing for a long time now. Uh, 
what's a resource, a book or a podcast that you uh, would say is essential for every marketer's toolkit? Okay, let's think about what was most valuable to me. The book that early on that had the most impact um, was David Meerman Scott's book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR. He's the person that we ended up actually collaborating on this um, resource with. And his book is actually quite thick. It's, it's, it's a bit of a longer read. Um, I loved it because it really gave me a framework to process um, the fact that generosity is the way of the future with, with, with digital marketing. Um, and so that was most impactful for me because you had lots of case studies in it of all these different companies that had broken the shackles of the old way which was like interrupt people with ads and hoard their content and say, you can't share this because it's mine to shifting that to this is my contribution, but please take it, make it your own, share it with other people. And so that for me, um, anything by David Meeman Scott um, is fantastic. And, and Seth Godin has been probably um, equally influential. Um, his book, Permission Marketing, you know, it's probably... 15, 16 years old now, but I read that in the early days. And just the fact that if you have an asset, a permission asset um, of people who are expecting you to show up in their inbox or in their newsfeed or in their Spotify feed um, on a regular basis, then that's that's the true asset for, for, your market, for marketing your business. Brilliant. I, I definitely, I've read that book as well, and I'm going to go check out the other one you mentioned. So we'll link those uh, to those in the show notes for you guys who want to go and check those out. Uh, Adam, what's one project you're really proud of or are super excited about right now? Hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, look, one, one project that I'm really excited about is, is taking all of this last sort of 17 years of, of experience and knowledge and strategies and systems and stuff and actually packaging it up in a, a straightforward flight plan for my clients to follow. Um, not not in a necessarily a linear format, but there's, there's building blocks and being able to clearly explain to my coaching clients, okay, these are the building blocks you need here. Let's build them because then once they're in place as the foundation, we can then build the next layer on top. Not necessarily, again, in this order, but we just know what's happening. So to actually bring it in and have a nice structure to it is really exciting because in the past there's been so much sort of stuff it hasn't necessarily had all that structure so that, that's what i love um at the moment and such a strategist i love it uh and final question for you mate what's one thing that you're doing currently or, or yet yeah, for your mental health okay so a couple of things that i i love i, I swim i do i'm part of a swim squad so i tend to do that at, at a minimum four times a week um ideally every day and i enjoy um having an ice bath so i've actually set up a um a chest freezer which i've converted into a cold plunge so i really love jumping in there for a couple of minutes um each day focus on the breathing and if i particularly do the swimming and the ice bath that is real i find personally that's really good for my mental health as well as sleep <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not sleeping in the ice bath, are you? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> That's not the plan. That'd be ice bath gone wrong. <laughs> I, I love it. So, have you have you um, connected with Win Half or done any of his stuff, or 
Um, not directly. I mean, yes, not directly with yeah. him personally, yeah. but um, yeah. through his um, online material and also through certified Wim Hof trainers. Yep. I've done courses with them. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah I've, like I've been watching, you know, I'm dreaming of the day that where I can go to Iceland and actually go into the actual pools of, you know, out there on the lakes where it's they freeze, freeze over, but they, they dig these holes and you basically dive oh. in there and, uh, and then you come out and it's freezing cold, but you don't feel it because you're just so amped. Uh, mm. But I love it. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Thank you so much for your would, time. Oh. Pleasure. Yeah. I'll put my hand up to do that any day. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Um, so we're yeah. going to go, uh, everyone listening to this, okay, bluewiremedia.com. Uh, please go check out the website. If you're on LinkedIn and you should be, then connect to Adam Franklin on LinkedIn and you can see all the things in, in you know, the nice thing is you'll see Adam actually apply all these things that he's talking about uh, and you can put your hand up and, and really uh, download or grab some of his templates and guides and things like that um and, and learn more about his coaching programs as well so uh thanks for your time mate uh and we will be back with our next episode i think sometime next week so hit the subscribe and share if, you, if you've enjoyed this and if you're on twitter please tweet out and give us one tip that you took from this episode and, and tag myself and adam in there as well because we always like to get feedback thanks everyone yep. and we'll see you all soon thanks adam okay no worries thanks for tuning in to my interview with Adam Franklin from Blue Wire Media. Now, Adam actually shared a, a cool bonus for everyone that's listening. So uh, he's actually given us a folder with something like 30 free LinkedIn guides uh, that you can go and download and take a look at. These are really super cool, valuable resources. No opt-in required uh, to access those. All you need to do is go to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash 52 that's 52 simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash 52 to go and grab those free linkedin guides all right thanks adam for sharing those with us and uh, again head over to bluewiremedia.com.au to connect with adam and to learn more about his programs Now, just quickly, if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, just head over to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash podcast, and you can grab all the links and things and resources on there. And also, if you are a conscious entrepreneur, got a professional services business, working B2B, uh, and you've got an interest in building influence and income through showing up, serving others, and being real, then I invite you to join my Authentic Influence Warriors Facebook group. Uh, If you want to do that, just head over to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash community. Okay, thanks for joining in, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Authentic Influence Podcast at AuthenticInfluence.co. 